0: This message is from Icon, from community, Icon church. community Church. Icon is a church located in Metro located Atlanta and Metro it seeks to be Atlanta. Defined by Grace, 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 community, community, community and, and renewal. renewal. Community and renewal. For more information, please visit our website at iconcommunitychurch.org, at iconcommunitychurch.org. or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There are certain phrases that when we say them, can have an opposite effect on the recipient. Telling someone to calm down actually tends to help people rile up a little bit. Don't be angry sometimes makes me feel a little angrier. And be patient makes me not only feel more impatient, but now on top of everything, I'm also impatient with the person who told me to be patient. But just because we sometimes have that natural adverse response, it doesn't mean that that advice is not something we should be given at times. And I wonder how the community James is talking to felt when we are, when he's saying what is in today's passage, where he repeats, be patient, be patient, and be patient. Were they frustrated with him on top of everything? Or did they kind of push through that response and take heed what he was saying? Because he is really giving them and us some valuable notes, some valuable advice here. And we have to note that what James is saying, especially in this first verse, is following this portion that Pastor Daryl preached on last week, giving these, these warnings, these holy cautions to those with a lot of wealth and those using that to oppress others. So hold on to that and bear that in mind as we read together from James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters... Be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You've heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. But let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no, so that you won't fall under judgment. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to our God. Therefore is what this passage begins with. So James is connecting, especially this first verse, with what he just said, where he was just talking about those with those riches and the power So as he's talking to the community, we have to bear in mind, there's a couple different groups of people that are probably hearing this. He was addressing in the passage we talked through last week with Pastor Daryl, the people that need to heed this warning, those with the wealth, those with the riches, those with the power who are using that to possibly mistreat others. And then in this other group, you have people that are on the receiving end of having to deal with that mistreatment or that injustice or that imbalance of the wealth. So as James was dealing with the first group last week, now we have him sort of changing his tone because he's talking to those on the receiving end. There's this pointed shift in his tone. I love how in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, "'Come now, you rich people,' and here he says, "'Therefore, brothers and sisters.'" So, all right, those in the community, those in my family here who are having to endure some hardship in the brokenness of this system, what you do is be patient until the Lord's coming. Now, this is not a flippant, well, sins affected the world, so just bide your time until God comes back. Some of us have had that said to us. Some of us have said that kind of thing to others as a way to sort of disregard emotions or even the real issues at play. Just bear with it because God's going to come back one day. But that's not what James is doing here. This is meant as a kind of encouragement specifically because it would have drawn their minds to judgment. He's saying you can endure, Because this is so serious that the Lord will deal with them. And they would have thought that because of this whole thing of he's coming. God is aware of the ways that people may be using their wealth and their position and their privilege against others. He is so aware and they will have to reckon with him. The word here regarding the Lord's coming is parousia, which in their common speech was the idea of a visit from a king who is coming to vindicate his people. So brothers and sisters, when you're being subjected to some kind of mistreatment or oppression from those who have the power and the wealth, be patient because your king is coming and he will deal with them. They are meant to draw some comfort from this that Jesus is coming back and that nothing escapes his sight, it should be a help to those who need to be patient when others' sin is causing struggle. So allow that to inform where you are having to bear up under what may be unfair or difficult or toilsome because of how other people may be mishandling what they have. It's a promise, friends. So let that sink in where you're feeling kind of worn thin, wondering, when are those who are acting against others going to pay? When will it end? James is telling those in the rawness of what they're dealing with here, the rawness of oppression, oh, it will end and they will have to deal with Jesus. Use that as fuel to be patient with the time that you are living in. There are times when this may feel like the only promise we can really hold on to. God will handle them. He promised. James explains this particular kind of patience with this image of the farmer. The farmer who works and toils and then just has to wait. Waiting with a hope that all of that work and that the endurance is not in vain. The farmer has to wait through rains, which come in their own degrees and seasons. The farmer has to wait with patience for things that are beyond control with the hope that the waiting is worth it. We are to wait in this similar way with the struggles that come from others, patient through the things that are beyond our control and with the hope that there will be a fruitful end. In 5 verse 8, he says, you also must be patient, strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. When you read in the New Testament, he's coming soon, his kingdom is near, the kingdom of God is at hand. Those phrases do not mean that the Lord's return would happen right then. Near or soon at hand is referring to what will be taking place next in God's big plan for redemption. So in that way, it is soon. It's God's next big move here. So while it will be hard in the midst of oppression or struggle, don't forget church that what happens next in God's big plan for redemption is that he's coming. And part of that will be the end of exploitation and of suffering and oppression. Use that as fuel for your patience in the time you are in now when you are having to endure hardship. But before we maybe get overly comfortable in dwelling on the fact that, oh yeah, God's gonna deal with everyone else and all of their sin, verse nine comes in here with a bit of a check. For those who are dealing with mistreatment, don't forget to also take heed for how you are treating others. And he points to this aspect of mistreating others that anyone can take part in. Verse 9 says, "Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door." So, while there may be a part of you and there even should be a part of you that finds some comfort in the fact that God will deal with those who are causing oppression. Also take care, because not treating image bearers in the way that you're supposed to is not just a problem for the rich and powerful, it's a problem for everyone. Complain here in the Greek is literally this groan or sigh like a half-suppressed murmur of impatience or judgment. So this is not something being spoken to someone clearly or freely. This is not just trashing people to their face. This is more of that internal eye roll, that sigh of frustration, whether audible or not. It's letting this posture of, "ugh, these people just take over you. It's being perpetually a little disgruntled with those in your community. It's the posture or the the attitude of, I just don't want to be bothered by them. It's nitpicking at these little things. It's thinking or functioning like you really are a little better than, you know a little better than. It's being harshly judgmental toward those in your community in any way. And this is an easy thing for us to fall into if... We may not say this, but we function as if our perspective is usually a little more right. When there are offenses against you from those in community, do you give the benefit of the doubt? Do all you can to move toward reconciliation? Or is your response, this is what church people always do to me. I knew it. Is it, of course that person would have a problem with this part of me. Look at how easy their life is there. Or is it, I'm just going to kind of hang on to this one, add it to my internal list, because if there's a time when they come at me with something, they better be ready. They should talk. If you're someone who stores up in any kind of way, this is the kind of complaining he's talking about. This will spill out of you when you're bumped, and it will be a harm to the body of Christ. This is not the posture of someone in community who really wants to protect the peace and the purity of the church. It's not the posture of someone who really wants to right wrongs. You may talk a big game about caring about the systemic injustice and oppression, but then you're functioning in community as if you are a little higher than those around you. You're all talk then. Bringing this heart posture, this complaining heart into the body of Christ is destructive. And James says, watch yourself here, because the judgment that you're kind of resting in over here, it's coming for you if this is how you're functioning. He's giving this directive to the church, brothers and sisters. And I point that out too, because I think sometimes we can be more patient with people outside of the church than inside, Now, we are held to a higher standard if we're claiming Christ. We watch out for hypocrisy. We are supposed to be um, keeping each other accountable in those ways, for sure. But don't hold on to these unbelievably high expectations in a way you're not supposed to, or so much so that you forget that we are still all sinners working this out. You're a sinner still working this out. Don't forget to give grace to believers, too. They need it. You need it. James is saying, check your posture here, especially after all this talk about those in community who are functioning more uh, in the role of an oppressor at times. Because when you have this kind of complaining, begrudging, and patient posture towards your community, you're taking on the same characteristics as them and the same judgment weights. So now James says, just in case you need a little bit more encouragement about endurance and being patient with the struggle of people in life, let's reread verses 10 through 11. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You've heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate. merciful. So he points to the prophets here, the prophets who came up against, often alone, against nation states, against powerful leaders. They had to be obedient to what God laid before them, and they had to do that just trusting that what God was saying would happen would actually happen. Most of them lived the whole of their lives in having to be patient and suffering And on this side of things, they usually did not see the fruit, the impact, or the fulfillment of God's word. Most of them don't get to see those who are oppressing them get what's coming to them. And yet they're still obedient to God while enduring the persecution. Why? Because of patience. Their work required endurance, as does ours, and we should not be surprised by this. As gods, we are the last people who should really be surprised that this life requires us to just be a people who are patient and endure. Life is hard, whether you know God or not. Despite what some people or some preachers think, God makes zero promises that your life will be easy or prosperous or a cakewalk if you're a follower of Jesus. But for those of us who do know God— In the hardship and struggle, we get this benefit that when all seems lost, when we're at the end of our rope, when the onslaught of the pain and struggle won't stop, that we have assurances and promises that we get to stand upon or maybe just fall into or cling to at times. The benefit is that while we have to be patient, we have certainty in the uncertainty to rest upon. James references Job here, which instantly made me think back to my own church experience growing up where I often, often heard people say, what's with everyone thinking Job is so patient? Job's not patient. He complains. He whines. He questions. He wasn't patient. And I will say I disagree with that sentiment. I'm prone to really agree with James here. Not only agree with him, but I love that of all the examples he could have chosen, he highlights Job. Because when you think of someone who's the most patient person you know, what does that look like? I tend, and maybe I'm not alone, but I tend to think of someone who appears unmoved by the challenges, unaffected by them someone who's solid in the midst of chaos. So when that's my idea of patience, and I think of God requiring that of me with everything that life throws my way, that is discouraging. That feels like a bit of a burden. I have to be stoic in order to be patient no matter what happens. This is why I feel God's kindness that Job's patience is lauded here. Job. Who passionately resented at times what was happening to him. Job, who questioned the arguments from his friends. Job, who almost agonized at times, has God forsaken me? Job, who asked questions about God, questions to God, he went through a vast range of emotions. He wondered, he was uncertain. He was really depressed. If you read some of his words, he is in a dark place. Yet while his faith is shaken and while he struggles, his faith is never fully extinguished. He struggled, he questioned, he defied. But in that, his faith was still there. That's patience. Job did not lose all his land, wealth, home, his whole family and his health, and then skip around joyfully proclaiming, oh, God is still so good. And that's the example we have. That would be so disheartening. Rather, Job had all these devastating things happen to him and he struggled. He lost everything. He went through trauma after trauma. He falls into this deep depression. He questions meaning. He wonders, what in the world, God? And that's our example of patience and endurance. The word James uses for Job's endurance here is hupamane. On the one hand, it is a Hopeful, patient, continuance, and waiting. But what's key is that this is not a passive word. One commentator explained this is not passive patience. This is a gallant spirit that is confronting the tides of doubt and sorrow and disaster and coming out with stronger faith on the other side. This commentator says, there may be a faith which never complained or questioned, but still greater is the faith which was tortured by questions and still believed. Patience is not never struggling, never complaining, never questioning. It's that time being tortured with the questions, but still believing. Endurance is not never having doubts or sorrow. It's confronting the doubt and sorrow, coming out with stronger faith on the other side. Job questioned, wondered, struggled with life. He was emotionally beat up and he expressed where he was to God. He clung to the remnants of his faith in that and that's endurance. Patience marked by clinging to what is certain the last bit you have, when everything around you is uncertain. Patience as a follower of Christ, it may at times be marked by an unwavering resolve or a steadiness in the turmoil. I've witnessed that in other people. I've had moments myself where I know I don't know if you've ever had that where you just think, why am I not kind of losing it right now by the power of the Spirit? We have those moments of that steady patience, thanks be to God. But it's not always going to be marked by that. And as a follower of Christ, we have permission here to wrestle and wonder and feel and still be counted as one who endures in that. As long as at the end of the day, we're in the midst of it all, still clinging to God. Job questioned what God had brought him while still trusting him. He was harshly honest with God while still having faith in him. We don't need to fake it as a follower of Christ. We don't have to suppress the fullness of what we're going through when we're struggling. We can ask questions of God while still holding trust in him. We can be harshly honest with God about our emotions while still having authentic faith in him. We can be a people who endures while still going through the full range of what it is to be human living in a broken world. At the end of the day, it's because God is the one who holds on to those who are his. His grip on his redeemed children cannot be loosened, and Jesus is the one who has authenticated our faith. We close our time today with James addressing one more thing here in verse 12. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no, so that you won't fall under judgment. So why does James address this? There was, at that time, an extraordinary amount of oath-taking in their society. Part of the problem is that the value of an oath partially depends upon the fact that one would seldom need to take one. So they're becoming so common in their society at that time, they're not being respected as they ought to be. Also, there were just such frequent oaths because lying and cheating was so far spread. And if a society is honest, no oaths should even be needed. It is only when people can't be trusted to tell the truth that they have to take an oath. The rabbis of their time said, Accustom not yourself to vows, for sooner or later you will swear false oaths. Philo said frequent swearing is bound to beget perjury and impiety. The Jewish Essenes of their time, they forbade all oaths. They said if an oath was required to make someone tell the truth, then that person was untrustworthy. But as followers of Christ, we should not need something like that to guarantee we would be a trustworthy people, a trustworthy community. So James is addressing them in this specific context, in a time when oaths is just overboard and people can't be trusted at all. He's saying here, Christians should be known as a people with such honor that it wouldn't even be necessary for you to have to take an oath. This doesn't mean we don't take oaths when we are asked to, but remember context is key here and the point he's making still pertains to us, that we should be a people with such honor that we could be trusted. James says above all here, which is like saying finally, as he's, we're getting close to the end of this letter, finally be patient. This kind of like bringing all this together, be patient while living and acting in the struggle of life. And when you may be tempted to be hasty with your words or go back on your word because this life is hard and it is hard to endure, don't swear o's and fall into that like everyone else is doing. Don't misuse your words in the pressure cooker that this life can be. I love the balance, even though some of these verses seem a little disjointed, there's a great balance here where we have permission to embody the struggles we live in And yet we're also being reminded, don't forget, you do adhere to a higher standard. Both are true friends and the reality that we are God's living in this world. So be patient in and with your current struggles with others. Be patient with all the grace that God gives. And with the grace he gives, do not forget to offer up that grace to others. Find comfort when you need to that God's judgment is waiting, but also walk in reverence because God's judgment is waiting. And where endurance is difficult, and at times you may even be extra hard on yourself, remember his faithfulness to Job. As the devastating impact of loss and pain came at him again and again, remember that God expects you to be human in the struggle for patience. And that never makes him turn away from you, but rather he has already come toward us through his son. To end our time today, I'm actually going to read a portion from our friend Job in Job chapter 19. Hear and feel and let come over you. The range of our friend Job's struggle, pain and questioning. Hear the freedom he has and how he is able to wrestle and be honest with God and be encouraged by that. And also find hope and comfort and be encouraged that while he's in a place of darkness, he still is holding on to a certainty. This is a beautifully encouraging picture. So please hear and feel the character of our patient friend, Job, and also our very good God. Job says, I cry out violence, but I get no response. I call for help and there is no justice. He's blocked my way so that I cannot pass through. He's veiled my paths with darkness. He's stripped me of my honor. He's removed the crown from my head. He tears me down on every side so that I am ruined. He uproots my hope like a tree. His anger burns against me and he regards me as one of his enemies. He's removed my brothers from me. My acquaintances have abandoned me. My relatives stop coming by. My close friends have forgotten me. My breath is offensive to my wife, and my own family finds me repulsive. Even young boys scorn me. When I stand up, they mock me. All of my best friends despise me, and those I love have turned against me. My skin and my flesh clings to my bones, and I've only escaped with the skin of my teeth. Have mercy on me, my friends. Have mercy, for God's hand has struck me. Why do you persecute me as God does? Will you never get enough of my flesh? I wish that my words were written down, that they were recorded on a scroll or were inscribed in stone forever. But I know but I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the end, he will stand on the dust. Even after my skin has been destroyed, yet I will see God in my flesh. I will see him myself and my eyes will look at him and not as a stranger for my heart just longs within me. Please pray with me. Father, how kind you are that you are a God who can meet us in the deepest places where we are struggling with understanding and with patience and with just enduring the hardship that is life. Father, what a kindness and mercy it is to us that we can bring the fullness of ourselves to you in that and can do so knowing it will be met by such love and understanding and compassion. You are merciful and compassionate to us in that. But Father, I thank you so much that we can go through the range of those things, that we can struggle with what it is to endure, knowing still that you have us, that you have those that you have called your own. knowing, Father, that we have already been approved of through your Son. And so I ask, Father, for us that you would help us to just be willing to be more honest with you, more open with you in what it is that we're struggling with, what we're having to endure, whether that be from our own doing or from what others have done to us. And help us, Father, to, in the midst of those things, stay Rooted, grounded, holding on, clinging on to you. Knowing, Father, that our doubts and our questioning cannot take you from us. May we never believe that lie. We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Please hear the benediction. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine to him be glory both in the church and in Christ Jesus now and forever amen praise god from whom